All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Tuesday, November 14th of 2023 here. And it is Tuesday. We do have a 10-game NBA main slate later this evening. And then we also have a drum roll nine game NHL slate. So it should be a fun day of DFS here. For those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew, one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS related questions. You can get your questions in one of three ways here. First off, send us an email, support at SaberSim.com. Second way, post it live in the YouTube chat. Third way, post it in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord and want to get access to that channel, you can do that via the link in the description of this video here. You get access to our similar channels, individual sport channels, and our release notes channels. See when bugs are fixed, see when updates go live to the app. So a bunch of great reasons to be in the Discord. You also get access to the rest of the SaberSim team here. But with that said, uh, as always, want to remind you guys about our Max Challenge promotions here. Uh, this is the both of these pages are in the description of this video. One for DraftKings, one for Owners Box. We did have an Owners Box winner this last week, and they are going to get this awesome championship belt, which is super cool. So really excited. Uh, we've given away two championship belts so far this season. If you guys want to get in on the action, there are weekly prizes and season-long prizes. You can sign up via the Enter the Challenge button up here in the top right. Uh, so check out those links in the description. But with that said, we're going to get Saber Sim pulled up here and we are going to jump right in. So first question here uh, from Run the Bases. Question says, who determines the minutes projection for each player for NBA? Is it a robot or a person? Does that person know ball? Good question here. So what I can tell you is that our models are coming up with all of our fantasy point projections here. So you see our fantasy points. You see all these detailed stats over here on the right, percentiles, minutes, points, you know, uh, individual stats. So all of this comes from our NBA model and the people behind our model are very smart and they do know ball. So what I have to say is that, you know, we stand uh, firmly behind the projections that we put out for player points, for fantasy points per minute, for, for minutes, for all of these things, you know, we are uh, thoroughly reviewing them each and every day and making sure that we are putting out the best projections that we think possible here in, in the industry and here at SaberSim. So good question to get us started. Question from Apples. Is the flagship MME ownership representative of a 150 max? If so, how might I adjust? I'm only playing three max and 20 max. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so, so we really change the nomenclature here. And I think it's been confusing some people. So in the past, we had a SaberSim projection column and then we had a SaberSim own column. That was the contest ownership. We had, we only had one source of ownership. Okay. So that ownership was generated by, it was, it was trying to predict the ownership for the flagship contest on any given day here. And it didn't say flagship, but it was flagship, right? It, it just said SaberSim ownership. Well, ever since we released our new ownership model here, where we have all these different buckets of ownership, we've gotten rid of the old model. And instead of saying, you know, SaberSim ownership, it really was this flagship the entire time. So now it just says that. So we're just showing one of the uh, ownership buckets here as an example. So really the ownership hasn't really changed from like the, the previous model in what you see here on the screen. 
Uh, but we just have all these different options and we just change the verbiage here, right? But uh, to answer your question, you know, if if you are playing smaller field, you know, you could try and and make some manual adjustments to ownership to make your lineups better, right? So I think that giving the builder better inputs as to what players are actually going to come in at higher ownership is a good value add that you can do. I think generally what you'll see is that the chalk will be chalkier. So the highest value plays, you know, we see all these high value plays here. Uh, these guys probably going to come in even higher owned than expected. Some of the top fantasy point players might come in higher owned than expected. So just uh, assume the field is going to condense on the best plays and play them at an even higher rate than they already were playing them at. All right. Question here from ghost. Question says during contest review, I see there is an average SIM ROI number. Is this a good metric to measure our overall lineup qualities? What is a good number we should be aiming for to account for margin of error after reviewing lineups of known sharps using this tool? I noticed that their lineups don't always have the highest SIM ROI. Can you explain some reasons for this? Thank you. Uh, yeah. So in case you didn't know, we do a weekly NFL main slate review show. I actually just got finished recording that with Max a little bit earlier today. So I was working on that here. Um, so reviewing past slates with contest flashback, we have videos for NFL. We have videos for NBA. We have videos for NHL. And, you know, we, we've done a video each week for NFL. So our um, week 10 review should be coming out later today here. I should be able to get that done by the end of the day here. But what you're going to see, right, is, is when you go into these contest flashbacks, and maybe we just go to yesterday for NBA here. So if I go to yesterday, I go to contests. And then let's say I'm going to click on the fadeaway here. So what I like to use is the SIM ROI numbers here. So what you're going to see is this uh, SIM ROI. And then this will show you the lineups that did the best when we ran the post-contest SIM here. And then you're going to see like, uh, you know, this lineup graded out the best on average, right? Even though that they only had a small actual ROI, right? So you're going to notice those things here. And then when you go to users and you're just looking at like portfolios here. So what I like to do is just look at the people who 150 max the contest. So then I will put a filter on, on entries. So 150, and then I will sort by SIM ROI here. And then I'm going to see who graded out the best, right? And what you can see here is that I prefer to use this SIM ROI percentage here. It's just like, on average, how did your portfolio do? Did it do good on average or did it do bad on average, right? And then you're going to be able to see that here. So uh, using contest flashback to like look at like actual, you know, profit and stuff uh, that's like very slate specific. That is uh, very like has like a ton of like recency bias here. But one thing that I'm seeing is that, you know, the person who won the contest, you know, uh, graded out decently with their portfolio here. So you're going to see a lot of names you recognize, uh, you know, Garns, uh, OCDOBV, uh, that's Kurt, you know, Elusive Smoke, Nerdy Tenor, Shady. Like these guys are, you know, entering 150 lineups uh, because they're good, right? You see Papa Gage, you see Whistles, you see Squid, you see Maswell. Like these are all, you know, well-known names in the industry here. And I think that, you know, their portfolios uh, are gritting out well because they're great players on average here. But check out these review shows and check out the one coming out later today uh, and, you know, learn our tips about how to take the concepts that and think about them the right way and then apply them into the contest that you're playing and try to get some takeaways from that as well.
All right. Uh, looks like there was like some back and forth here with sacrilegious. So I'm not going to read through this thread. I will catch up and add any thoughts I have there. And then uh, Zach here had a similar contest flashback question saying, how do you check average sim ROI for contest review? So, so you do it exactly this way, right? You go to contest, click on a contest, you open up this players tab here. And then you go over to users and then you can search your name, right? If it's all, if I'm looking for somebody specific, I'm looking for myself, I can just type in my name and then I get sorted by SIM ROI. And then I can see how my lineups grade out. If I want to look at your specific lineups or anybody's specific lineups, I can use the magnifying glass here and then I can pop out this lineups tab. And then now it's going to show me all of, of these lineups here graded by the sorting metric that of my choice here, right? So then I could use it that way. So a lot of great features. We do even have a tutorial on how to use it in our help docs. So if we go to help, it take you to our support library, how to use contest flashback, another great resource for you guys to have here. So I will just link this in the description here for easy access. All right, next question here from Bill's Nut. I will say it was quite an interesting finish to the game last night. Uh, can it be a good NBA strategy to eliminate players projected for fewer than a certain number of minutes from either my player pool or final build, or should I trust Saber Sim and leave them in? Uh, this is a good question here. I think it's totally okay to curate your player pool to give you more viable lineups or more lineups that look like what you want them to look like. So in my contest review show with Max today, you know, he said something that I remembered or kind of resonated with me pretty well was basically that hey, um, you know, 5,000 lineups is a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot. So whatever you can do to curate your player pool to get more lineups that look the way you want, even if you have to set a couple rules, uh, do that and, and get more lineups that give you more optionality. That way you don't have to trash a bunch of your 5,000 lineups uh, and try and get as many possible lineups as you can of those 5,000 to be something that you want to play. So I think it's totally okay to use filters, you know, we have filters in the app next to the search bar. You can add a filter. You could say, you know, show players, I don't know, with, with minutes greater than 15, right? Maybe you think that if they're not playing more than 15 minutes, that their upside is capped and, and, you know, they're not going to be able to have those high point finishes. So I think it's totally fine to do something like that. Something that I would always suggest is come in here and sort by the metric that you filtered, whether that be projected score, whether that be minutes, whether that be value. And then go and look at the players that you're getting rid of. Like, like, okay, this is the cutoff, right? Shake Milton. Like, am I okay not playing these players? And then make a conscious decision to say, okay, I know I am not playing these players and I am okay with it. Uh, and then, you know, if, if you get to a point where like, mm, maybe I do want to kind of play some of these guys in this range, you can just adjust your filter and go from there or use another filter or use combinations of filters to, to uh, that are like a little looser that still do a good job. So Think about those concepts and try and apply them, but I think it's totally okay to curate. All right. Uh, Vince said, in contest flashback, is there a way to review a user's build to know what their min uniques per lineup are? Uh, good question. There is not a way to do that. So that is that is interesting. I can't even think of a way you would do it because – what Min Uniques does, well, the way Min Uniques works, right? It takes a pool of lineups. And then if you apply the Min Unique number, it goes and searches for more lineups that meet that requirement. 
But if you have 150 lineups and you only have 150 lineups, then, you know, it's, it gets like a little bit trickier. So like basically what you would, you're like kind of asking for is like, Hey, can you tell me how many mini uniques, how many players different per lineup between all the lineups this player had? Right. So I could add that as a feature request here is show uniques uh, per portfolio, maybe and contest flashback. So very, very interesting there, but uh, happy to take that back to the team. All right. Question here from Jim. All right. Jim said when after adjusting settings to the slate and after creating lineups, I see in the videos you've created for various sports slash slates, Jordan has said that he will adjust increasing mini uniques until he gets to it to match the number of lineups needed. I know by doing this, it will give you more unique lineups, but at the same time, you're decreasing your best lineups by saber score and projected points. Is this method recommended all the time or best on small slates? What is the best time or slate for this? I've been with you guys about three weeks or so. And although I have hit first place split with like 300 people so far, not any bigger money in contests. I'm hoping so soon as this will justify using your site and offset the cost, et cetera. Otherwise keep up the awesome work that you do. Thanks. Okay. So yeah, kind of what, what I like to say is that, you know, mini Neeks is a tool that you can use. It is not something that you have to use, right? So some people really like using it. Some people are not um, like uh, don't use it in their process. Right. So one thing that Jordan does is Jordan is, I would say more risk uh, risk averse. He doesn't like to play super high leverage portfolios. He really likes to spread out and get his money down across, across uh, different slates. Like he plays all the slates. He's trying to just play very flat and, and let Sabersim do the work for him. So when you use MinUniques, what you were doing is you are trading either like Saber score value or ROI using contest Sims. You are trading that for diversification. And what you're trying to do is build a portfolio of lineups that is less high variance where you're not going to have these, you know, minus 90% ROI nights or minus 95% ROI nights. And instead are trying to build a set of lineups where even if some do bad, there are still a subset of other lineups that are different enough from the other lineups that did bad that can still do good. Right. So some people you're, what you're going to see when you open up your DraftKings app is that you're going to see that like, Hey, all of your lineups are to the left or all of your lineups are to the right. That is probably a portfolio of lineups that are not using mini uniques or using a very low mini unique number. But if you're using a very high number, your your actual lineups and your contests are going to be very kind of spread out across the standings there. So you're going to be able to like visually see the effect that it's having. Ultimately, if you could play DFS infinite time with an infinite bankroll, then you shouldn't use mini uniques. You should just play the highest rated lineups possible. But the truth is that most of us are operating under some type of bankroll. We have to make decisions about which contests we want to play. We can't play everything. And we need to be able to weather the swings of DFS to continue to play long-term here. So that's why I think having this diversification tool and using it is important. So I would highly recommend continuing to use it. And uh, the way that I like to use it personally is I like to come in here, sort by my exposures or sort by leverage. And then I like to start increasing it until I get to a number that just kind of looks okay to me. So having, you know, 80% Bogdanovich in my pool and having 85% of him 
in my set here, I'm, I'm pretty okay with, even though his ownership is only 44%. So something like four mini neeks here, uh, this looks fine to me. What I'm looking at is two things, the leverage, which is the exposure minus the ownership and the pool percent. I'm using these two things in combination to come up with an exposure setting, a mini unique, a mini unique number that I am comfortable with. And like the four would be fine for me. What Jordan would suggest is like, hey, try and max it out. So like, what is the max here? Okay, the max is the max is five. And then he would probably go four as well. So maybe we just get there through a little bit different process, but there's definitely going to be times like I'm only building 500 lineups. If you had 5,000 lineups, then yeah, you're probably going to be able to get to a much higher unique number, maybe seven. And then maybe you end up with six, right? So it really just depends what you're trying to do. All right. Uh, looks like we are through with the questions in the Discord. So jumping over to the YouTube chat, a uh, question from Chad. Hi, I just joined today. Welcome, Chad. I, how do I add additional columns of player data like you have in yours? Mine stop at 99th percentile. Uh, so the the uh, stats here, the, the detailed stats are available on the pro plan or ultimate plan. So if you just joined today, you might be trialing our standard plan. Uh, you can always upgrade your trial to the pro or ultimate. All you need to do is just reach out to our support team. The easiest way in the app is to just click this question mark and send us a message here. And then that will go to our support team and we'll be able to take care of you there. So probably easiest thing to do, or you can send us an email support at sabersim.com. All right. Question from Noah. Hi, Andrew. Trying to get better at NHL. I think you have mentioned no lines for teams, but is minimum number minimum players for the key for NHL then as in Pittsburgh line one versus minimum number of players per team. Uh, yeah. So in hockey line stacking is important. If you like go to hockey and you click on any individual player, you're going to see that the correlations between the players are typically going to be very high for players on the same line. So what I can do is I can just like take Vegas, for example, so then if I go and look at Jack Eichel, Eichel here, and then what I'm going to see is like, okay, uh, Jonathan Marchessault, uh, Mark Stone, you know, the highest, the two highest correlations. Okay, what lines do they skate on? So Eichel is on power play one, Marchessault is on power play one, and then Mark Stone is also on power play one, even though he's on ev2 he's on power play one so like that is like the first and foremost most important thing so like um the only time i'll like ever play nhl is during um nba all-star break and i will usually just come in here and like set up some type of stack rule to say like you know use at least three and then i will usually take off uh i mean you can leave a defenseman check but i like to use must be on the same and then i would say ev or power play line and then from there, you know, at least I know I'm like getting some stacks, right? So some people will come in here, set up a couple stack rules just to try and guarantee that correlation. But in your build settings, you're going to see that correlation is generally pretty high already at a five value, which is considered high. And so the builder understands how important correlation is to NHL, but you can just kind of force in some correlation by applying those rules. I think that's totally fine as well. Next question. Good day. If you change lineup rules after you build, will it apply to a pool? Or do you have to rebuild to apply? Good question. You're going to have to rebuild. Uh, so the easiest thing to do here is, so So what happens is that the builder looks at those rules in the lineup creation process, and then it applies them to the lineups that are generated. So then if you go and set a rule after the fact, like if I were to turn one of these on, 
I would have to use the rebuild lineups button to get those rules to be applied at that point. So the builder can't rebuild lineups once they've already been generated, unless you tell it to. All right. Uh, is it possible to take lineups for multiple builds to save to a contest? Example, two separate builds of 75 combine them. Yes, you can definitely do this. So let's say I have these 20 lineups here and maybe I have, I don't know, 40 lineups in a, in a contest for whatever reason. So what I need to do is use the star icon. When I use this star icon, what's going to happen is SaberSim is going to send these 20 lineups to this favorites tab here. And then you're going to see when I open this, that will one, the favorites word becomes white, which is like active. And then the green, the star becomes green. So then I can see that the 20 lineups are here. And then if I had a second build with another 20 lineups, I can do the same thing. It's going to put all 40 lineups in this build. And then I could just use the save to my contest button from here. So this is an easy way of having two sets of lineups, three sets of lineups, however many you want, sending them all to the favorites and then putting them into a single contest. And then once you're done here, you can always right click and then clear the favorites. And then this will get rid of all the lineups in this window. And then you can, you could start over if you want to do like another contest and you want to continue to do all your contests through that format. All right. Hey, Andrew, if you X out Steph Curry and Joel Embiid for NBA today, how can I build lines that push in high price plays and the replacement guys for Steph and Joel, AKA the next guys up? Uh, you know, the builder's going to like do a very good job of this for you naturally here. But what you could do, like say, you know, Joel Embiid um, is out, like you could just go in here and increase the projections. Like the builder's going to understand, or like the model's going to understand, hey, Embiid is out. That usage has to go somewhere. Those minutes have to go somewhere. You know, other people are going to be taking more shots that he usually takes. And it redistributes all of those fantasy points, you know, shot percentages, all, all of those rebounds, everything. It distributes, distributes, distributes it to the rest of the team appropriately here. So, like, I wouldn't worry too much about, like, doing the model's job doing that. And then you're going to see that these other players are just going to uh, shoot up in value here. So keep an eye on it throughout the day as, you know, these players' injury statuses become uh, official here. But if you're seeing something and then you want to get to more of them, you can always come in here and give them an extra boost. That's totally okay. All right. Is it possible to adjust exposure for lineups with certain players? Example, QB stacks. Can I set Jamar Chase to be in Burrow stacks 45%, Boyd 25%, Mixon 15% without affecting overall exposure? Uh, so there's not a great way to do this. The only way that you can do something similar to this is through filtering here. So like, let's say that I am, you know, I want to see how many lineups, I want to see what my Joel and bead lineups look like. So when I use the plus magnifying glass, it's going to zone in on the lineups with him. So I have nine in my set of 20 and then I have 141 in my entire pool here, right? So you're going to notice that. And then when I pop over to the all tab here, and I go and sort by exposures. So this is going to tell me, hey, in the nine lineups that you're viewing, seven of them have Bogdanovich. Seven of them have Osman. So you could do this like for Joe Burrow, which in our review show today, we, we talked about this. So it's like, hey, how many lineups have Burrow? How many lineups have, you know, so-and-so? So if you wanted to, what you could do is you could trash some of them, right? So like maybe I don't want so many lineups like this. So what I, I would do is I would go to the bottom of your set of lineups and then I would just start trashing like the worst ones here, right? And then you're going to see that these values are going down, these exposures are changing. So the lineups that 
do have these combinations are going down, right? So if I wanted to get rid of Embiid and Bogdan, then I could just zone in on both of them and then start trashing them. So um, it's a little bit tedious in the, the way that you have to handle it, but there's not a good way to say like, okay, Embiid with this person, bro, with Chase set to this exposure. Uh, it, it's, it just gets a very, very tricky on the back end. Request, any way we could get a late swap feature that would allow us to identify exposure changes, example, NBA late swap with short time and 60-plus player pools. Player ruled out, late swap changes exposure to James, but takes away 20% of Mitchell you wanted. Could be a feature request, show original exposure in green and down in red to be able to assess impact. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. I, I hear where you're coming from, so I will make a note of that. Um, exposure change summary uh basically like to avoid what you're talking about happening here what i would do is i would set the exposures that i know i want up front right and then when i go to late swap i would use the right click option which when you right click and the slate is active you're going to see late swap that is going to clone this build so all of your minimax exposures all of your player pool adjustments all of your manual projection adjustments is going to carry all of that over into your late swap. When you use the horizontal arrow up here, that's going to give you a fresh build with, with all of your work that you've done gone. So if you don't do a lot of work in your build, messing with exposures and things like that and player pool, then the double-sided arrow is fine. But if you do a lot of that, I would always use the clone option, which will carry that work over so you don't lose it just in case. Uh, Smacks guy said, any idea when the bug will be fixed that has kicker shows zero points in the lineup review tool? Um, I, I know that we're working on some stuff behind the scenes to basically not be so reliant on some data sources that aren't very good uh, or or have those issues here. So that those are coming from like some data sources and we are trying to uh, take all that in-house. So that's an ongoing project that we are working on. Uh, I do just short time and late swapping with new info makes time valuable. No, I'm definitely going to take that feature request back to the team. I think it is a good one here. But that about does it for all the questions today, guys. Appreciate you guys tuning in. And as always, we'll be right back here tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern for our Wednesday show. So until then, take care. Good luck. I will see you all. Thanks. Bye.